Welcome to Degay's Watch Degrassi, the podcast where my expertise and my skepticism shine a new rainbow on this Canadian after school special. How about that? We didn't even rehearse. We still remember how to do that from season one. Thank you, everyone, who's joining us for season two. We're very excited to sink our teeth into this new season especially because we added a soundboard to the show. So we're going to be bringing some fun Degrassi noises up into the podcast. Here, let's give one a try. Yo, dog. (laughs) God. Yep, so I have to get a hang of being the soundboard person, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, everyone. Okay. We are obviously starting off season two with season two, episode one, When When Doves Cry, part one. Which is a Prince song. Correct. When Doves Cry, do-do-do-do-do-do, something like that. It came out in 1984. Luckily, we won't be struck for copyright with that rendition. It's so When Doves Cry, da-da-da-da. I never claimed to be a singer, but I do enjoy it. Singing or Prince? Um, both. I like Party Like It's 1999. I'm fond of that one. I think it's ironic that it came out before 1999, but I like it because I feel like the year 1999 was a pretty good year when it actually occurred after the song. Right. But without further ado, I'm going to bring you all the synopsis. My disc man! You're welcome. All our favorite Degrassi kids are back at school, and we are reigniting the dramas, loves, and rivalries of season one. The focus of everyone but Paige's attention, however, is the artsy new kid, Craig. He's a fast heartthrob, but is he getting that same love at home from his father, who was divorced by Joey's late wife? So Nice that, synopsis. Yep. You're welcome. It's a very well-written one. Let's get into it. All right. Let's do it. So we're starting off with Emma and Angie. They're having fun. It's like the end of summer because school's about to start. I mean, it kind of seems creepy. It's like someone's taking a photo. It is very strange at first, especially with the season one opener of season one yeah you know it's like is this another music as well like you know yeah the like suspect so we don't know who this person is but obviously this is our intro to craig one of the more complicated love him hate him characters in degrassi i i go pretty much both ways with craig times where i feel for him but then other times i'm just like are you serious again (laughs) with this also will become an archetype for other degrassi characters yes in later seasons definitely very much like the emma manny friendship duo gets repeated in future seasons craig's character gets repeated in future seasons eli is a big parallel a lot of people point out and then that just fits straight in with Manny and Emma being succeeded by Claire and Allie because it just all fits in. Nice little fit-in circle. (laughs) So then after we see Craig taking pictures of them, we see him coming home to his dad. His glasses are a big part of his look and the symbolism that carries on throughout the show later. Also the actor's IMDb profile, he's bald now. Yes, he is bald now, which led us to check it out and be like, what is he up to? And he is up to a good amount of stuff. He's in that new show, Yellowstone. Oh. I think that my parents watch it, so. There we go. Yeah. So good for him. He's doing his thing. I love watching a show just to see, like, 30 seconds of a Degrassi person. Well, at least, like, also a bit of a spoiler, his character isn't the best one, so it's cool you can at least get roles again. I feel like the person who shoots Drake, you know? 
Yeah, although someone posted uh, him doing a different role recently in one of the groups I'm in on Facebook, and he looked completely different. His hair was shorter, mm-hmm. and he looked good. It was. They were like, oh my god, look who I saw, and it literally, I was like, who is this? It took me a second to figure out that it was Rick. It's like, holy crap, good for him too. Bug's like, I heard you got some sushi as my sushi bug. Don't be all up in my sushi. Hey, don't get off of my fries, dog. There you go. It's not really a super spoiler that his dad's not a good person because pretty quickly we figure that out when he smashes plates and starts to get violent and scary because Craig was late for dinner. For steak and corn, apparently. Yeah, it seems like he cooks dinner a lot, which is very interesting and... Right? Like, he's meant to be a surgeon. You'd think, like, it'd be, like, the at-home microwavable dinners or something, like ready meals. Yeah, it's one of those things... It's just a thing for him to throw, I feel like, probably. Yeah, for sure. Uh, It's also very reminiscent of a scene from Degrassi Junior High. There's a character called Rick, um, but wasn't bad like me, Rick. <laughs> he was generally fine, you know. But he also had an abusive father who smashed plates and who um, beat him up. And Joey actually saw it and figured it out and was the one who reported it. So it's very interesting that Joey is wrapped up in this plot with Craig and also continuously throughout Craig's life and they really bring a lot of Joey's plots from the old show back to life with Craig. Mm. Craig is obviously scared of him. Here we go with the new intro. It's largely the same with just a few additions. Craig gets added with his camera taking a picture. And there's another edition of Joey standing with the kids that he ends up sponsoring and that storyline in a later episode so that he gets a credit because he becomes a really central character in season two, where he's more in the background in season one. When doves cry, do 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 do. Throughout this episode, we're coming up on school. It's the first day of school. Throughout this episode, Toby has this camera thing. It's like a camera that's on one of those extendable forks. And you said it looked sort of like a camera that was for the Game Boy at the time. Yeah. But it could be something else, too. It seems like he's either filming or taking photos throughout this episode. And he's trying to help JT with his mission to get an older woman. So this little first scene where everyone's arriving at school, I'm calling it the lightning exposition round. Because we very quickly get caught up on all the old plot points that are coming back and all the new ones. JT is determined to get an older woman. That is one of the first plots that we are cemented with. And you know what? I'm going to give JT our first fashion crime. Me, a fashion criminal. Because he is wearing those really tiny glasses. I thought they looked cool. Those are back in, honestly. And his classic really brightly colored shirt with a really brightly colored hat worn backward. Luckily, his fashion senses haven't changed yet, and we get to enjoy monochrome JT looks for a while longer. Craig's getting dropped off by his dad. Fancy car, nice house. We're getting kind of clues about that surgeon thing that hasn't been mentioned yet. He speeds off. You know, they cement early on that he drives recklessly and he's a reckless person. Lightning exposition strike number two. Manny and Emma both see Craig and Manny says, Is that the pitter-patter of your heart? No, wait, that's mine. Emma says, Proof that summer is so overrated. So that's right away, there's going to be a love 
triangle-ish situation between these three. Competition? Yeah, yeah. Competition's a better way to put it. They both have a crush on him, and that leads to some strife later on. So here we go, just boom, 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 setting up all the plots that are going to happen this season. They high-five with... Boxing gloves? Boxing gloves. No, no logical reason why they do that it's never brought up again no they don't do boxing Boxing class no No. what (laughs) it's just there for that second so they can do a silly high five with the gloves so they could have just high fived hmm could they have (laughs) so up next i'm still hung up on this boxing glove And it kind of looked like they were still attached together as well. I'm not 100% sure, but it looked like they might have been, so they had to walk in Could such a way. Could you imagine that being your, that like, gym? Didn't. Like, maybe it's, like, their PE equipment, you know? Like, how it's, like, you must bring one pair of shoes and, like, a pair of shorts. Boxing gloves. <laughs> and then what? Are they going to box each other? Right? I know. I'd be like, wait, I'm supposed to get what for my child? That seems off-key for 8th grade, Jim. <laughs> They're going to be whacking each other in the face. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that that works. Next, we learn that it's crowded. Jimmy and Spinner are talking about how it's like a zoo in there. Because, as we will learn more of later, there's a school closure situation that leads to conveniently the high school being conglomerated into what was previously described as just a middle school seven eight. Oh. So that's extremely convenient because then we get to keep watching everyone do stuff in the same school in the same location. How convenient is that? This is an extremely common trope in Canadian TV where schools close or schools combine in ways where you're like, really? Would that happen in real life? I never been to school in Canada. So if you're Canadian, correct us if you're wrong. If you went through several school closures in your correct time. Correct us if you're wrong. Oh, sorry. Maybe they should correct us if we're wrong. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. But <laughs> correct us. Yes. You're wrong. I don't know anything. If you want to send us that email too, I'll read it. You know? <laughs> but later on, Lakehurst burns down or something and they end up in Degrassi, even though that seems somewhat unlikely. And in the other show I've mentioned, Ready or Not they go through a similar situation where a school is closed and, or that. something. Where... I had that public school. Like, another school was, like, having theirs, like, renovation. So they used part of our campus or something. So did you have those people in your classes all of a sudden? No. So I guess it wasn't really like that. It's hella weird. <laughs> Yeah, at least there's some kind of precedent for it. But they say it's like a zoo, and then Jimmy says, and then there, and there's one of the monkeys now, referring to Sean. So, lightning exposition strike number three. They still three. don't like each other? We, yes, they still don't like each other. They still aren't friends. That hasn't changed. Jimmy's really not over that Ashley make-out session. I'm not really over it either. Sean, why? You're supposed to be Emma or Ellie when she comes but we'll get to that later he's walking around and then he runs into Craig anyway he says why did you run into me and Craig's like well I'm just directionally challenged and there's a bunch of girls saying oh hey cutie hey so obviously everyone likes Craig he's the shiny new object and lightning exposition strike number four this is the new friendship, Sean and Craig. They are going to be friends in this season. So is he, like, friends because he's like, oh, he'll get me chicks or something? Because he seems like a dick at the start. He's like, why are you bumping into me? And he says, buy a map, you know? Yes. He's only like, it just seems like he's only nice. I think it's more that no. Craig isn't intimidated by Sean. And so Sean's like, okay, cool. 
Because that's just Sean's personality to act that way. Especially now that there's no Emma to, I think like... you're just trying to over-explain why Sean... You're, like, defending Sean. Okay, whatever. We can move on. Jimmy's so mad. Got some enemies. Got a lot of enemies. So, Miss Kwan is telling us more about the fact that they're not fully prepared. What's with for... her hand? Um... I actually didn't notice that until this exact moment. Her hand is, like, wrapped up like her fingers. Maybe the actor in real life had an injury. Or, or she got, like, a hand tattoo or something. That didn't look like a tattoo wrap to me. Or maybe she was on vacation in India, got Hannah done, and it, like, hadn't come off for shooting. And What's she... with the Shakespeare behind also made with, like... It's one of those where it's like lots of pictures that make a Shakespeare, but what's it meant? What would you have pictures of? More pictures of Shakespeare? Maybe. Just or like <laughs> plays or something. I don't know. Books he wrote. Is there that but, many? Well, yeah, but that uh, it's, just, it's just weird. Anyway, gonna get that part out. <laughs> so she's talking about the schools closing and combining, and that they may even have to share lockers. Which is the first intro to Lightning Strike number five, the Toby and JT sharing lockers plot, which is going to continue throughout the season. <laughs> and then one of the funnier jokes of the episode, JT is saying, um, small price to pay for there to be more people, older women, younger men, very hot. Toby says, JT York, older women, very not. Sean is late because he helped Craig find his glass. And here we go. Lightning strike number six. Emma does not look at him. So she has not forgiven him either. What did he do? He shoved her while fighting with Jimmy. Oh. And then she broke up with him. Oh. The after school Fight, fight, fight. Okay. Yes. So that is the other plot that's continuing from Mr. Simpson is homeroom for our grade nine friends. Also, it's funny when he's like, you get me for another four years. And it's like, nah, dude, we, we're going to get you for like another 20 years. <laughs> You're not leaving anytime soon. You're going to be here the whole time. It's pretty great. I should have a Mr. Simpson sting, but I don't. Here, I'll do this one instead. You're right, very Mr. Simpson. No, I just did that one instead. I also have a button where it does a random one. I know I can make it Many of them are the Degrassi theme or some variation Yeah, of the theme. I did a good amount of the themes because the themes are the fun part, right? So... The themes are the fun part, the fun part of the episode. <laughs> so Craig is tired and he like makes a joke when Mr. Simpson wakes him up. But this is red flag number one with Craig. Things aren't good at home. He's not getting adequate sleep because his dad's a douchebag. Still with the boxing glove. Man, he's got the boxing gloves on. Like, why is Miss Kwan's hands covered? Why is Manny's hands covered? Was there, like, a weird hand epidemic? For sure, that's it. That's definitely it. Paige we, in the butterfly shirt. We, yeah, let's, but we get introduced to, formally, Toby and JT decided to share a locker for some reason. And Manny is like, should we tell them now or later that this is going to ruin their friendship? So... Um, that very much is leading into that plot that we already mentioned. But yes, as you said, Paige gets a fashion crime ticket for her butterfly shirt and her mullet. You guys want a real fashion crime? So this is introducing the plot that Paige is upset because her hair looks bad and it's going to cost her 80 bucks to fix it. She has 50 saved up. But her parents want her to clean out the garage to make up the other 30. So we did some really fun and futile math for this part. 
We took $80 Canadian and translated that um, at 2002, which is when this was recorded. So that equals $53 in U.S. at the time. But then when we converted that with inflation, then it that equals $80 U.S. now. So it ends up being the same amount that Paige is talking about. Kind of weird, though. Yeah. It was really funny to do that. So, and that then. pointless math. Yes. And then it was like $30.25 for $30 when I calculated that out. So it's very similar on that side, too. That's how much money we're talking about here for her to fix her hair. Seems a little bit expensive for just a haircut, but probably not for Paige. She's kind of a princess. Then Craig pops in and says, you know, there's laws against child labor because she's complaining about cleaning out the garage. And she says, okay, thanks, Mr. News at nine. Or, five. Thanks, Mr. News at five. Hazel says, cute. And she's like, more like deranged. So Paige is the only one that doesn't give a flying fuck about Craig. And it's how true. Cute she never does. Mm-hmm. She's not into it. If it's not Spinner. It ain't for dinner. Oh. Badanch. Here, that, let's, and that's a sting. Let's give it one. Tambourine. That's that Imogen tambourine. Worst intro ever. <laughs> Ashley pops around and says, Hey guys, how was your summer? And they all ignore her. So this is lightning strike number two. Seven. Kind of lost track. My bad. But Ashley is still a persona non grata. No one gives a crap about her still. Her. Oh, you're right. This is just six minutes in and we're already like being introduced to a shit There's ton been a of... ton of plot. Just throw it all uh -huh. on the wall. If you want a like rubric for the whole season, it's just right here in this first six minutes. We haven't even hit a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> creative choices yo terry is still ashley's closest only friend you know that's her next class some people don't like it but you know what i'm not a degrassi purist i like all of it not equal amounts but i like all of it but with the Ashley having Terry only, they have to duck under a whale <laughs> to it's get the out. Whale. I don't know what's up with the whale. Do you want me to rewind so you can see? No, it? I saw the oh, whale. Saw it. Yeah, it's the first day of school. People are bringing their macrame whales. You know, things are just popping at Degrassi for the first day of school. That's well, all you need to know. Boxing gloves, weird cameras. It's all happening. So we get some pretty outdoor shots of Toronto. So we're in the city now. We're not at school anymore. Craig taking more pictures of Angie. We still don't know why he's doing this. But then she comes over and says how much she's missed him. He's been in camp? Mm-hmm. I think that's a lie. It's just unnecessary backstory. But they're pretty cute together and then pretty soon we get the first canada speak moment of the episode say about a boot i love it she says me and daddy are gonna go visit mommy obviously also british people say mommy but it seems like in canada it's kind of split some people say mom and some people say mom so there you go canada mm. speak and she says, do you want to come? And he says, you know, go, you know, tell her I miss her. So. He's like, I'll break the camera. I'll raise her from the dead. You just don't want to be around me. That would be wild. That would be a really outlandish plot for Degrassi. And then when he leaves, the teacher person says, who was that, Angela? And she says, that's my brother. So we get confirmation that they're brother and sister. And... It gets explained more explicitly later, but if you know anything, you know, if you remember from season one, his late wife is late, meaning that she died, 
and if they're a brother and sister, we can basically extrapolate that they have the same mom, and he's saying, tell her I miss her, so they have the same mom. Also, backstory of Joey's ex, or late wife, that she was a divorcee. Yes. Who had a child from a previous relationship. Yes. We didn't hear about that in season one, but it's totally plausible that that could be the what happened. Okay, we are back to Toby is helping JT with his goal of getting an older woman with the Isaac system. Some kind of computer program where they aggregated data in order to determine his best match. And everyone... I took the time to pause this out and copy out all the data on Terry McGregor's profile in the Isaac system. So this is everything that it says. Grade, 9. Homeroom, 9F. And then in parentheses, Simpson. So it's Mr. Simpson's homeroom. Nice factor, and factor is spelled incorrectly. So why is homeroom part of the algorithm? Maybe it's just informational, like, so you can That's know bull- where to then catch Then you don't her. need it. Then, right? So you know where to catch her. But then, wouldn't Locker... I feel like Locker would make more sense than Homeroom. You know? Locker location or proximity to Locker. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just... That makes no sense. How how does homeroom have points? You know, like, oh, she's in Mr. Simpson's homeroom. That's 10 point, you know, like in his data thing. Like, oh, Miss Kwan's homeroom. That's going to make you a three point. Mr. Armstrong's homeroom, five points. I just assumed Mr. Radish homeroom, zero points. Mm -hmm. Sorry. You just assumed. No, just that that part was just informational. <laughs> and didn't go into the algorithm or whatever. Cool factor as well. Also, is it spelled right? Or is that Canadian? Is it factor? Is it E-R or O-R? No, it is definitely O-R and he spelled it wrong. This is more carryover from season one. He's terrible at spelling. Oh, okay. It's like a little detail. Also, like, what's cool to him? Because, like, he's the guy with the weird camera thing. Like, does she have a weird camera things? I don't know, but here's what it is. Cool factor, four. So, not cool. I guess so. Cute factor, six. So, above average cuteness. Mm -hmm. Nice factor, nine. Ah, she is very nice. So she's all, she's, okay. And then says hi, 9 out of 10. So I'm thinking that's like 9 out of 10 times she'd say hi to you. So it seems like the Isaac system is set to saying hi and niceness. And then cute factor, cool factor are kind of important, but not as much or whatever. Yeah, that's what I'd say. I really wish they showed, they had shown, rather, um, Paige's profile, because I wanted to know what her stats were, but they only zoomed in on Terry's. Also, that means, like, Toby as well, in doing this, has went around all the girls being like, hi, 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 hi. Hi. <laughs> and it's like the first day, like seeing how many times they high back. And so now he's going to be like the weird high kid. Maybe they just estimated from previous knowledge. He says, I need more of a challenge. And he clicks on page instead. But he only has a 0.03% chance of scoring with her. So that's, so this is another thing, like. So, the data is about how cool, nice, fun, you know, the girl is. But, so where's the data coming from on how cool he is against her to get the percent? 
I think it's just like so I think like I said it must be stacked with the nice and saying hi as being part of it and Paige not being nice and probably does not wouldn't say hi back to Toby so she's probably like got like a one and a zero for those so it's like you know what's her face Terry oh, so you're is like, saying that's the part that determines his ability to mm-hmm. actually date them. Yeah. Boom. That makes sense. We're so, really giving a lot of benefit to the doubt to Toby's system, though. <laughs> <laughs> so we're moving on to visiting Joey's ex-wife, whose name was Julia. Everyone has J names. Which is weird, because, like, her last name... So, her last name was Jeremiah. When Just being a woman, like, she would have went through, like, three last names. You know? There would have been, like, your maiden name. And then when she was Manning, like... She would have been, like, whatever. Manning. And then, blah, Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Going through, and, like, if she... It sounded like, yeah, and like they say later, you know, we haven't gotten to this bit, but it said he says that she left Albert for Joey, so maybe she just changed her name directly instead of having to like change it and change it again. He gave her more of a more good annoying. deal on a used car. Is that a euphemism? Mm-hmm. He gave her a good deal on a used car. But when they're putting the flowers on the grave, then Angie accidentally spills the beans that she's been seeing Craig. And then Joey realizes that Craig is there taking pictures. And he tries to go talk to him, but Craig runs away. This is another red flag. Why is Craig acting so weird? Because his dad is insane. He's like editing himself into the photos, so it looks like he's like with the family. Yeah, you don't. You think that's ooh? Well, I think it's, that it's kind of sad and sweet. Well, it, yeah, it's sad. It's not sweet. Who's like who sees something sad like that and is like you're not heartbreaking and like that's just terrible. He you're did. like that's so sweet. He edited himself with Joey and his sister at his mom's grave. What a love. He's. Clearly nothing going on. Well, and he says the perfect family, like, when he puts it in the, like, album, because he's, like, all sad about how terrible his dad is. Oh, my God. It's so sad. It's such a heartbreaker. My disc man! (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Also, just the editing of himself makes him, like, he'd be, like, way bigger than them my stepson and his giant head (laughs) that would be like he's like a disembodied genie (laughs) so he hides all the photos before going up to eat with his dad and it's like whoa roast beef mashed potatoes yorkshire pudding say about a boot it's another not exclusively Canadian thing, but... Well, it's from Yorkshire, which is a county. In the UK. England. 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 Yes. It's Canadian via Britain. I don't know if there's anywhere in America where people eat Yorkshire puddings, but yes, Yorkshire puddings are really bomb. I bet there's, like, some Midwestern version, and it's called, like, something else. Yeah. It's basically, like, a really light, uh, like, not really biscuit, more like a flaky pastry sort of situation, but you bake it in a muffin tin, and then it's sort of sunken in the middle, so, like, the outside's really, like, uh, you know, crunchy, and then the inside's really soft and fluffy, and even a little bit, like, you know, moist, even. They're really bomb, and Britain, it's not pudding, is one thing to keep in mind. Why are they called that? I don't know, maybe because you put it in like a, you know, like a cupcake. 
know, like a pudding tray or something to yes. make it. And pudding in Britain means dessert in general. Took me a while to figure that out. Just the generic term for dessert. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't want an actual, like, a Christmas pudding. It is, like, fucking awful. What is it? I have no idea. It's like this ball nasty cake. <laughs> okay. Does it resemble pudding at all? Or is it another British thing called it's not, pudding? It's another that... dessert thing, I guess. It is a dessert. Is it, like, liquidy in a dish? or is Well, it you're supposed like... to, like, put it on fire or whatever before you serve it. You flambe it, kind of. Okay. So when you're flambeing it, is it in, like, a tray? No, it's, like, on a plate. So it's not pudding, because you can't put pudding on a plate. <laughs> pudding doesn't go on a plate? Well, pudding's liquid. Oh, you're like thinking, a, like, American pudding, like, yeah. mousse, or, like, what I'm you get. I'm just clarifying once like again. Like, what you get another... from, like, in the hospital or something. That's your <laughs> version of pudding. Yeah, exactly. Tubby custard. <laughs> One of those things in TV that you never got to try to eat. I always thought it'd be strawberry flavored because it was pink. That makes sense. I thought it looked guava-y. Is that too exotic for the Teletubbies? I don't know. I also wanted that Jimmy Neutron candy from that one episode. We talked about this before on the podcast? No, but we've talked about it in life before. So. <laughs> okay. But we've yeah. talked about how you think it's candy and I think it's chocolate. Well, I mean, we both think it's candy, to be fair. But I, I think it's gummy and, like, delicious. Whereas you think it's, like, lady candy. Like, the C's Nuts and Chew box. I like a nut and chew. I like a nut and chew C's. Soft centers all day. Caramel soft centers. I love a really nutty chocolate. I will, no, yeah. Like, like with a caramel. hard ass toffee. Or like, fudge. Now I want C's. wonder if Uber Eats delivers that. Or Symphony Bar. Symphony Bar. <laughs> oh, Brought to you by are... Symphony. Other oh, chocolate bars are available. That's another British joke. You like that? Back on track to pudding. We just went. Yes, we went off slightly. He's a little bit. Albert's slightly scary using the electric knife to cut the roast beef. That has always disturbed me slightly. I don't know if it's meant to be, like, a reference to the fact that he's a surgeon, but I've always found it kind of scary. Like, he's gonna, like, cut Craig with it at some moment, you know? His dad mentions that there was a message from Joey on the machine, but he's not gonna call him back. And Craig says, why not? And he says, I don't know, why would your, mo- why would your mom leave a surgeon for a used car salesman? The mysteries of the world are infinite to me. It's like, seriously, dude, your wife left you, probably, because you're an abusive asshole. I don't understand why she left Craig with him, but maybe he got worse after she left or something. Who knows? Maybe it's because he's a surgeon and could afford an attorney to get custody and win custody. Like, maybe she cheated on him prior to getting with you know formally with joey so use that as some sort of leverage like i'm a surgeon like you know Mm-hmm. that makes sense i do think it's the game boy camera yeah if any of you know what kind of camera toby's rocking tell us so it's the next day oh my gosh Paige is getting another fashion crime ticket you guys want a real fashion crime because she has a shirt with stars on her boobs and it's like wow that's like i wonder if that's a product placement the yogurts they're eating oh my gosh product placement oh my gosh okay hey don't get off of my fries dog product placement they're eating yogurt is it yo play who knows maybe it's some Canadian version of Yoplait. Hit play, maybe. Fruit, something. Fruit. 
yogurt. If you know what yogurt that they're eating, write in and tell us. So JT's trying to hit on Paige yet again. Offers to carry her bag. Says he'll carry it anywhere she wants. Toby's recording from far away and says, wow, you're an inspiration. Making fun of him because he's kind of failing. But he says she will be his. We're in, I think, drama class in the ninth graders, or drama, as they would call it. Everyone's wearing a strange hat, or most people. What? It's not really explained why. I'm Craig Manning. I'm a Caucasian male. My mom died. That's pretty much it. (laughs) If you get the reference, that is from rest development he makes a very similar speech though but miss kwan probes him to keep going he makes kind of a weird speech about six billion people on the planet and if i just disappeared who would care why would it matter huh we already got a billion more this is yeah how about that but this is another red flag for craig he's already had a couple it's like this is a little bit on the you know I could stop existing is not the thing that you should hear your students say. doesn't really seem like Miss Kwan does anything about it except say that, you know, it was existential. Heather oh, and Sin- now 1.6 billion. Heather Sinclair gets another shout out. She's about to go after Craig, but obviously it pans away before we get to see her. My disc man! I still want us to see Heather Sinclair, but we will eventually get to the minis. So we're seeing Emma and Manny. They're talking about Craig. He's in grade nine. They get all the hotties. But then he comes over and they're like, oh my gosh. And Craig says, hey, you babysit Ange, right? So he obviously wants to see her, but they don't realize that. They're just dumbstruck. She's reading a voice called Voices of the Wild, very on brand for Emma. She's still into the environment and wolves and panthers and all types of, you know, dolphins, anything that's sad and in need. Craig reminds her that they've met before and that they danced at Joey and Julia's wedding. It's in Julia and Spike made them dance. Yeah. I mean, that happens. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I went through some very interesting things as a child. That was just not weird, but yeah, I've had, yeah. You know, being at weddings or whatever. It's like, oh, it's Angela's half-brother. And Manny's like, oh, oh, hi. It's like, uh, girls, come on. It's funny, though. She's like, impregnate me. (laughs) Oh, God. So they are both still really into him, and... Emma decides to invite him to Spike's birthday party that's happening later on in the episode. And when he agrees to go, they do this really cute, "Ah!" and they squeal and stuff. And it just reminds me of the early years where they were young and innocent and not getting pregnant or getting gonorrhea. They were just being young and cute and going to hotel rooms with creepy men from the internet. Then next up, it's Albert versus Joey. Their relationship is obviously very tense. Joey is saying, you know, our kids need to slash want to see each other. I know they miss each other. And Albert's just like, he's my son. Mind your own business, man. And gets all pissy about it and just doesn't even, isn't even willing to have a conversation about it. That's the way that abusive people act. He gets back in his car and zooms away. Again, he's a really fast, bad driver. And that's not good for him and his life. So that's kind of another plot that they're really seeding in early in season one. And now we have another product placement moment. Seven slamming spices. They're at the corner store that I think may eventually become the dot. It's kind of hard to tell, but it looks kind of like the dot from the outside. Um, But they are drinking Sprite and eating Doritos as they talk about how 
you know, their strategy to get Paige back. Oh, the old Dorito bags. Oh, I remember those. JT just goes for it and says, Paige, let's go out. We'll go out and see if we click. If we click, then we'll talk commitment. And this is playing a two-way thing. JT is determined to get Paige, but Paige thinks that she's fallen to such a level because of her mullet that people like JT thinks it's okay to ask her out. Do Being that this is said, they hatch a plan. How about those $30 that you've been wanting to you know, redo your hair, we'll pay you to go out with JT. This is the whatever it takes moment of the episode. (laughs) You like that? Mm -hmm. I got one more. Actually, I lied. I got one more. Oh, God. That's the worst one. Uh, this is the whatever it takes moment of the episode. Paige is going to do whatever it takes to fix her rep. She can't have people like JT thinking it's okay to go out with her. And she can't have her mullet ruining her ninth grade life. So she, as she's contemplating taking the bet, Spinner says, it's about the earwigs, you know, little pinchers which I thought is funny. It's kind of a reference back to season one when he brings the earwigs into the cafeteria. They do pinch, though. They're bitches. I've never gotten pinched by one. I have. Hurts. I know. I really don't. I've seen, like, droves of them, too. Ergo. Hair grow. I think, like, I got... It was, like, getting one off of you. That I got, you know, bit once. Oh, well, thank you for sacrificing yourself so I didn't have to have that happen. (laughs) I really appreciate it because that's disgusting. She decides that it's worth it to take the date with JT for $30. And she does not have to clean out the garage. They're reading a magazine called Verve. I haven't heard of Verve. Is Verve real? Is that a French word, maybe? Is it French-Canadian? Sorry if I'm totally incorrect, but tell us more about Verve, you. Canadian people, you. Then we go over to Spike's birthday party. This is where the one deleted scene of the episode is. There's a long deleted extended scene with Spike, Snake, Joey, and Yik from junior and high school all dancing together to taking care of business and there's this funny part where spike like pretends to butt swat simpson or like i forget who's butt swatting who but then like someone you know from behind the camera is like oh yeah do that again that's funny and so then they have to like do that a bunch of times it's really funny look that up on youtube it's worth it to watch them dance to taking care of business for several minutes You can also kind of tell that Simpson and Spike are getting closer and hanging out more, which is another big plot point for this new season. Uh, They're drawing on the sidewalk across the street, which I've always kind of been like, wouldn't you draw on the sidewalk on your side of the street? But that would have been more awkward for filming. So I think that's why they did it the way that they did it. Oh, also, I mean, you don't want to, like, mess up your own sidewalk. That's rude, but I guess it's true. Hey. Say hi to the listeners. Our resident cat, Cheeto, is in the mix. So if you ever hear a jingle, a meow, or something that sounds like chaunching on kibble, it's probably her. Joey shows up unexpectedly to the party, which is a little bit problematic for Craig because he tells, you know, Joey tells Craig... I don't think your dad wants you to be around us. And he says you talk to him. And when he realizes that Joey's already talked to his dad, then he starts leaving immediately and says, oh. You're missing a big point, though. The reason he's showing up to the party now is because he was meant to go on a date. Who was Miss November? 
Miss November in 1973, so I guess he was like, she was way older than him. Or an ago, right, or something. I and think... he just like pieced out. He's like, nah, I'm a used car salesman with a daughter. I know my worth. Right? Very interesting. I wonder if it's like a reference at all, if they ever show a Miss November 1973 in junior high or high. I don't remember that, but that would be hilarious. Joey is showing up after his date and he tell so once he tell no, he ditched out on his date it's not even after his date he ditched out on his date because you know emma's babysitting and because he was meant to be on a date but he's like peaced out on the date to go to the party instead because she was an uggo i guess joey's ways haven't totally changed since the grassy high. Really? And the, well, I mean, it was kind of a womanizer. It's kind of a rude thing to do, is it not? Right. But, so Craig says, hey, Mrs. S., thanks for the, or no. What's her last name? Nelson. Mrs. Nelson, thanks for the hot dog on his way out. My bad. Getting ahead of myself. But um, he leaves with his hot dog and has to go back home. So Craig comes home. He tells his dad he's going to go down to his dark room. His dad's kind of sitting stoically at the table. He has those chairs that everyone has. But when he goes down to his dark room, he sees that everything is, like, destroyed. His dad destroyed everything. And this is the it-goes-there moment of the episode. If you were a kid that watched Degrassi on the end, that you might recognize that sound from the It Goes There promos that they used to have. I looked forever for the promo of the girl saying, It Goes There, because that's the one that I remember the most, but I couldn't find it. So, if you have a copy of it, you gotta send it to me. Craig's looking at all this stuff being all destroyed, and then his dad comes up behind him and says, are you looking for this? With his photo album of the perfect family stuff he made, Craig start, er, Albert starts hitting Craig with it. He says, I work so hard for you, pushes him down, and he proceeds to kick the shit out of him. He seriously kicks the shit out of him. It's so intense. And Craig seriously is, like, freaking out and scared. And his camera is smashed. And that's, like, the end of the episode. And it's like, damn, it's not just bad with Craig's dad. It's really bad. Like, he is in danger. That is the end of the episode. There is no make it through moment because this is one of, this is the first two-parter, I think. Because there aren't any two-parters in season one. So we aren't even done with this plot. We're going to be picking it up in episode two. We're going to find out if what's going to happen to Craig. Is he going to break under all this pressure? What's going to happen to Albert? And will Angie be the unsung hero of the episode with a really cringy dinosaur story? You think that's going to be drama? You know it. It's Degrassi. Thanks.